Randy, would you like some advice? Hey, Lily. Why else do you think I do this podcast every week? I mean, it may be useful for our listeners, but I'm selfish. I want to ask our guests questions that help me. Well, yeah, that is useful. But you know that we're also going to give some advice out to people ourselves for a change. We're holding a Q&A salon during the break at the MTPCon Digital next week. Next week? Yikes. But Lily, we don't actually know anything. That's why we booked these Smarty Pants guests. Speak for yourself, Randy. Uh, but we're going to play to our strengths, so it's okay. We're going to give bad advice and then <laughs> recommend episodes of the podcast that have actual answers for those brave enough to join us. Uh, that sounds more like us. We can handle that. Actually, this should be <laughs> a lot of fun. Meanwhile, we have another smart person this week. Following on from Jeff Got Health session last week, we have Christina Walkermeyer, who's here to tell us all about treating your career like a product. She's product lead at N26, and this was a lot of fun. So let's get right into it. The product experience is brought to you by Mind the Product. Every week, we talk to the best product people from around the globe about how we can improve our practice and build products that people love. Visit mindtheproduct.com to catch up on past episodes and to discover an extensive library of great content and videos. Browse for free or become a Mind the Product member to unlock premium articles, unseen videos, AMAs, roundtables, discounts to our conferences around the world, training opportunities, and more. Mind the Product also offers free product tank meetups in more than 200 cities, and there's probably one near you. Christina, thank you so much for joining us tonight. For anyone who doesn't already know you, can you just give us a quick introduction? Who are you? Where do you work? And how did you get into product? Yeah, first of all, thanks you for having me. So I'm super excited about this interview. My name is Christina Wackermeyer. I work as a product lead for uh, engagement at N26 at the moment. I've been building products for the past 10 years on the fashion e-commerce side, on the agency side. So I've been around for a while. And yeah. And I uh, ran into you for the first time last year at a conference where I saw a talk you did. And one of the things that really jumped out at me and got me very excited was old school video game references. So you talked about uh, why our careers are like Super Mario. So why is that? Yeah, so I think this talk in general was about personal development. And back in the days, um, I also told the story in my talk. One of my leads once asked me where I want to be in five years. And I figured out that I wanted to answer with a job title. And even when mm -hmm. I asked my own direct reports at some point, I figured out every time when I asked that question myself, like people would answer with a job title. So when I also talk to people, why, why is that? Like, what do you even believe? What would that job title mean to you? I figure out people often, and even myself, by the way, uh, we don't think enough about like who we want to be or how would that feel or what is even the end goal um, for our personal development. So it's mostly about like you see a job title, which is a bit further away, and then you actually think your way to get there would be if you're a junior product manager, you need to lose your junior title and then you would go into a senior title and then you would go to the head of product and then you want to become a director of product. Like this is basically how it goes. And this was 
the the way how I described it, it's like a jump and run guy game. You're jumping from level to level to level to level, and uh, in order to reach the next title. And um, this is probably not what your personal development be should be like. How do we think about it differently then? Because we're almost like trained to think in that way, aren't we? From like a young age of like complete this thing and then move on to the next thing and and you know, what's the alternative if we're not thinking about climbing to that next job title? Yeah, I think, first of all, I think it's pretty much there's a reason why we're thinking that way, right? Because in the majority of companies, this is how your career is being structured. But I think the way how we think of products, uh, we can think of our personal development or our personal career. So we should first start by creating a vision, like what's the ba basically the end state we want to achieve? How are we as a person? Um, are we happy? Are we relaxed? Are we energized? Um, how do we feel? And what are we doing the whole day, right? Uh, do we get up in the morning? Do we go to an office? Do we cycle there? Do we take the bus? Or maybe we don't even go to an office because we just open the door of our apartment and then we see the beach right away and this is how we work, you know? So there's a lot of ways how you can envision your future. And I think you that's where you should start. Okay, so given that, what do you want to be when you grow up? When I grow up, I think, so first of all, I think for me it's important that I grow up. So for me it is important <laughs> when I get up in the morning, I actually want to have the feeling that I give my life a meaning. And this also means that I do something um, for the greater good of all. And this means for me having an impact on people's lives. Right now, I'm working on a pretty large product, uh, which helps people to make just banking easier. Something is, is very, very, very painful. But I think this is the product side of things. But then on the other side, I also want to go to a workplace where I do have the feeling I can have an impact. So I can bring in my skills and mixing those skills, for example, with others and then actually achieve something even greater that I couldn't do by myself But then on the other side, for me personally, but this is a very personal view, I think for me, it's very important also to experience life. So for me, the biggest vision for myself is if I can optimize on experiencing life. And this has a lot of facets. And I think this is very philosophical and would go very deep right now. Yeah, no, I really like that. And I think it's hard because, you know, some people don't know what they want right they you know you have to discover that which I which is one of the reasons why I love your kind of think about yourself like a product because you have to go through that discovery phase so do you have any tips for how to discover what you what you really want yeah I actually really like uh what you just said that it's basically a discovery phase so what would we do if we start discovering something for a product right what would we do is we would like to understand our users' needs, our users' problems. So therefore, we start with ourselves. And the majority of people having a hard time because they do not really know themselves. And this is how it started for me. And I would lie if I would say I 100% know myself because I guess this is a task for a whole lifetime. But I think a very good start for me was um, the Strength Finder test by Gallup. By the way, I don't get any money for that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but this was something we, we did in our team, and it's a test um, where you answer a lot of questions. Um, you only have three seconds because the idea is you would um, answer super spontaneously. And based on that, um, you will get your five strengths. Um, you can also pay a little bit more, and then you will get all the 34 dimensions and your five weaknesses, which is also quite interesting. But based on those five strengths, these just already explain a lot how your personality works. 
And for me, this was the very first step that I took. And then I somehow got hooked and I really wanted to learn more about myself. But um, I think these kind of tests, there's also the 16 personality test. They're really, really, really great start to, yeah, to get to know yourself better. And another thing could be also if you, as a product manager, take any kind of product management framework. There's the four Ds of product management or it's the lean product framework. You can take any of this and then you try to figure out, okay, if this is a product process, where am I really good at? What is What are the product tasks where I usually forget time? For me, this is more really diving deep into a discovery phase and not so much the writing ticket phase and specking things. So, um, but a lot of people are also really like this, um, optimizing processes, working closely with the delivery team. Some people are rather in the creative phase together with the designers. So I think this is as a product manager, a second good step to take, taking the product framework and trying to figure out what is the thing that comes natural to you? What is your right hand and not your left hand? Because I do believe we all bring naturally some talents and some skills And there are some things that we need to learn, but it's maybe not as easy as leveraging our natural talents and strength. So you talked about treating this like a a discovery at the first part and then uh, taking an inventory of your strengths and interests. What about uh, opportunities and the things that make you unique? Is that important as well? Totally, because I do believe that, as I said before, everyone comes along with a specific skill set, which is usually pretty unique, right? You can be super empathetic, but still be a super analytical person. But this mix might make you unique. You can be very competitive, but still have a lot of empathy and then be a strategic thinker. Also, this can make you very unique. And I think this combination of different strengths and skills is yeah, what makes us unique, what makes us a certain character, a certain personality. It's your own uh, value proposition. Basically, yes, it's your own value proposition that you bring along. And I think becoming aware of those things make us a much stronger personality. And I I believe specifically, if you want to grow and become a more senior person, you need to bring along, you need to be very self-aware and you need to understand what you bring to the table. Because Mm -hmm. ultimately, if you see who are the people that make a career in a larger organization, these are usually the people who stand for something. So I think master your own skills is very important. And I want to repeat again the right hand and the left hand example, because I think it just explains so much what it's about in in building up a career. It's, you know, if you are a right hander and then you break your arm, and I did that in my second grade, by the way, and then you need to write with the left hand. And I can tell you, if you practice a lot, you get faster and it looks much better. And at some point, someone can read it as well. But um, And if you put a lot of effort into it, you will be able to, to be faster and faster and more beautiful. But it will never be as fast and as beautiful as if you would write with your right hand because you're a right-hander, right? That's what you bring naturally to the table. And I think the same is it with natural strength or skills. You do have something which is very unique to yourself And if you, for example, not an analytical person, of course, as a PM, you need to some, to a certain degree, you need to understand it. But why would you waste your time in optimizing this strength or skill if there's something else that you bring to the table that you can really, truly build upon? So I think we should figure out what we bring naturally. And the Strength Finder test or 16 personalities is a good start. 
and then really start mastering those things instead of wasting our time to try to fit into a box which we're not. Do you think that it is a waste of time to focus on your weaknesses or is there kind of like a certain amount that you should do? I mean, it seems quite bold to say, don't bother doing all of that. Just, you know, really play to your strengths, which I think, you know, is definitely a good piece of advice for everyone. I certainly could have used that advice a long time ago. Um, so I, I, I do not believe that you should completely ignore that, right? Because as I said before, if you are a product manager, I mean, to a certain degree, you need to have some analytical understanding. Um, but you also need to bring, even though you may be a super technical, super analytical person and not the creative kind of guy, to a certain degree, you need to be a bit creative to be able at least also to challenge maybe your designers or some creative people around yourself. So I do believe in order to being able to do a certain profession or to do a certain job, you need to understand these worlds, but you don't need to master them. And I yeah. think this is what you need to understand. What are the parts that you really want and should master and should put your focus on rather than it's more kind of where do you invest the majority of your time and the, the majority of your growth time. One thing you mentioned a, a couple minutes ago was the four D's framework, and that's not one I've come across before. So can you talk a little bit about that? What is it? Yeah, the four D's framework is discover, define, design, deliver. So you could start with the discovery phase where you do understand your users' needs, the business needs, what are the opportunities out there. Then you define what you actually want to work on. You start designing a solution, maybe have a first prototype that you're trying out in life. Um, and then you actually deliver it, which is the phase when you go fully in and build it, build the real thing. Is it that discreet or is it always done in that order or are these uh, uh, kind of fuzzy things that are just a ways of keeping it in fresh in your mind of where am I at any given point? I think it's good to start with first an understanding phase, but mm -hmm. I do believe that when you're in the process and you start designing something, for example, and then you design something and you usually try it out, right? In product, you mm -hmm. would try it out with your users and then you get more feedback. In your product or personal development process, you would try it out. You actually um, learn something about yourself and you created a vision for yourself and you try it out and then you suddenly feel it's not the right thing, but you learn something new or you have a new experience or you just change as a person. And I think that happens all the time. And then you would go back and then you would actually try out who is that new me and what does this mm. new me like? And then based on that, you would kind of pivot into a different direction. And I think this is the beauty of it. It's, it's maybe not a, a single one direction and it's not only this, the, the circle of product management that we know, but it could go in different directions. However, I do believe it always starts with creating self-awareness, with creating and a certain understanding, yeah. I think that should be definitely the starting point. Being iterative, who knew? Yeah, <laughs> agile. <laughs> As someone who did um, uh, try to be an animal psychologist and a production assistant in film before I got into tech and into product management, I definitely understand the whole kind of concept of iterating on your career <laughs> until you <laughs> find the thing that really like drives you and gets you excited. Oh, come on, I bet you use animal psychology every single day. <laughs> 
Well, I don't you believe know, you. There's a, of, <laughs> there's a lot of training all of the people around me. <laughs> I think there's so much uh, psychology involved. And I also like just heard a really good article, uh, a presentation around conflict and product management. So I think, yes, there's, you could definitely use a psychology degree in our job for sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But if you aren't sure yet, you know, we've talked about our strengths and how we go about finding our strengths. But if you aren't really sure about what gets you out of bed in the morning, what kind of tools can you use to try and find out more about yourself in that particular area? I think, as I said before, what usually helped me is to to be very focused on trying to find out what is the what are the things where I usually lose track of time or another good question is what do you google when you're on vacation or what do you google during your weekends you know when you have free time and no one forces you to do do a certain research or if you ask yourself the questions what were the things that made me super happy and excited as a kid because often even 20 30 years later you would be surprised that these things still create a certain degree of joy The other day I was on a swing after 25 years and I enjoyed it so much. And I suddenly had this like feeling of happiness again. I was like, can I be a professional swinger? Oh, this sounds really <laughs> That means something else. Here. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Uh, maybe a professional trapeze artist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I think in general, I think those questions are a good start if you, for example, if you're not too sure, because normally we're doing something in those seven days a week that actually lets us forget about time and something that catches our interest. And I think also really the Googling question is a real good one because yeah. often we're Googling a lot of things around the same topic. And this is a, also a very good start if you create the vision for yourself, because if you are not interested in fintech or if you do, are not interested in fashion you do not have to work in those industries right because if you're super interested in ayurvedic food or if you're interested in like a yoga lifestyle you know there's a lot of other things and even in tech um that you could try out and actually try you know to to build a career around that and i suppose some people might be listening to this thinking well if i was like on holiday i wouldn't be googling at all i would just be you know, trekking up a mountain or scuba diving somewhere or um, and maybe that's their calling instead or? Yeah, exactly. So there is a really good website. It's called 50waystogetajob.com. And he asks you a lot of um, inspiring, reflecting questions. And I think, um, yeah, specifically about, yeah, what is the thing that creates joy? If you could build something up from scratch, what would it be? And if you don't have an idea at all, he even suggests like, Just go into a room, close the door behind you and sit there for 45 minutes without doing anything. And I think that's actually a, a very, very, very powerful exercise. If you try to imagine your future, like what would it be like? Like, what do you do if you get up in the morning? How does your bed look like? What do you see if you look out of the window? Do you even have a window in your room? How does that feel? How does it smell? Where do you have your breakfast? What do you have for breakfast? Um, do, how do you get to work? Do you even leave the house to get to work? So what are the 
type of work that you're doing? Are you creating presentations or are you actually analyzing spreadsheets or are you talking to people? Or are you just on the phone? There's a lot of different ways how you can spend your day and what are you doing for lunch break? Um, what do you do in the evening? So I think it's very powerful. And the most powerful question in all of this is, is that you ask yourself constantly, how does it smell? What can you hear? What do you see? Because the moment you go away from answering those questions purely from your head, but also try to answer that from your heart, this is when you do it like, or when you include senses to it, because mm. then it, you answer much more from the heart. And I think in general, our inner wisdom usually is not necessarily in our head. Right now, Mind the Product would usually be gearing up for MTPCon San Francisco. But with in-person events off the cards, the team has something a little different in store. Next week on July 13th, 14th and 15th, you can join product people from across the globe for the brand new event, MTPCon Digital, from the comfort of your very own home. Enjoy keynotes, Q&As, interactive expert-led talks and mini-workshops, speed networking sessions, and roundtable discussions, all planned around a life-friendly schedule to allow for life, kids, work, and all the rest. You can enjoy digital happy hours too, although you will need to bring your own drinks. There's no digital alternative to that yet. But we're working on it. Plus, all tickets come with an annual prioritized membership. Find out more and buy your tickets today at mindtheproduct.com. So one of our previous guests, uh, Raki Rajani, talked about she had to hire uh, a whole department's worth of people quickly. And she hit on some of the things you were talking about, about finding your inner passion um, or about trying to find things that really define you. And instead of asking about what was your interest as a kid, um, her question for the recruiter was ask every candidate when their parents went to the parent teacher night at school, what was the word their teacher used to describe them? Oh, this is a very, very interesting question. And I also do believe it reveals a lot about ourselves. So my teachers, to be honest, were always complaining about me. <laughs> How so? Because I was actually, I was very loud and I always knew it better than the rest in class and the teacher themselves. So um, I can remember, like, I think it was in the first or second class. So in German, we have this word called Maler, and um, it means painter, but it's also um, the last name of a composer. Yes. And oh, yeah. uh, Gustav Mahler. And in the end, it was about jobs. And uh, I don't know how it exactly was, but in the end, I also corrected the teacher because she said, yeah, no, it's not the right job. But I told her in the end that uh, Gustav Mahler is also a composer, and my teacher didn't know that. So I actually embarrassed her in front of the whole class and that was just my first class. So I think this went on like that uh, through my whole career and I was very confrontative as well. That's why I had to leave the classroom very often. So I was very rebellious. But the good thing is that my grades were quite okay-ish. So uh, I managed my way through. And I think that's still me. So everyone who has a meeting with me still, I always have my very strong opinion but I learned based on my strength finder test that my very least strength based on those 34 dimension is harmony. Mm -hmm. So obviously harmony is not something which is in my genes. 
I think it's okay. <laughs> what do you do in that situation? We kind of talked about how you, um, you know, playing to your strengths, but if you know that you have weaknesses, do you kind of purposefully build a team around you who are going to fill the gaps that you have? So I think, first of all, the more aware you are about your weaker strengths, the more you can learn to live with them. I think before I just didn't know what was wrong with me. Now I understand what's wrong with me and it's actually nothing, <laughs> in my opinion. Um, but first of all, I can, you know, if I'm running into a heated conversation, I already know, oh, Christina, maybe let's take a step back because otherwise you would lose the harmony in the room. On the other side, it's always also good, you know, if you have your trust people in your team, it can just give you a sign or just make a joke. So you're going to be reminded around that. Um, so I think mm -hmm. once you, you learn, you can actually partner up with people who are really good in that and then actually create something really meaningful with them together because also you give them the possibility to actually live up on their strength, which is really great because this is what teamwork is about. So if you're, if you're open about your weaknesses then the team can kind of support you in that. And I guess it's about that whole kind of bringing your whole self and being able to to talk openly about where you might struggle in a situation. Totally. I mean, for me, um, this is kind of my life credo. So I think I'm a big believer in being vulnerable also in front of others and specifically actually as a leader, because mm. I do believe, I mean, I think everyone to a certain degree expects excellence from each other. And this is, I think, what a lot of companies are also talking about. And I mean, I guess it's a no brainer, right? Who comes to work and says, I don't want to do, I just want to do 50% great. I've never heard that person, to be honest. But um, when everyone is striving for excellence, you know, this also could mean that no one is allowed to make mistakes. And I think that would be a big mistake for companies. So I believe that everyone brings certain things that they're not so good at. And I think we should be able to also be to, to talk openly about it, to share our concerns, to share our pains, to share our fears even with our colleagues, because this is, it's just human and we're not machines and we're totally not machines. I do believe that a lot of companies are currently hiring based on competences and try to actually really evaluate people on, on, on competences only. And I had this also in some interviews where I even gave the feedback. I was like, you know what? I felt like a robot in all of this. I have the feeling you actually would like to hire a robot, but as long as you cannot hire a robot, it's okay. You take me, but this is not how it works <laughs> because in the end, you, you know, we're personalities, we're characters and we're going to bring our whole self to work. And, mm. um, I believe that's why it's very, very important also to understand the personalities and how they how they are coming together. If you have, for example, just introverts coming together and then in the end you want to have a group conversation, this can be very painful because then in the end, like there's there's someone there's kind of this energy missing who drives engagement in a certain group. But then if you have just a group of super extroverts, oh my God, I mean, I'm an extrovert myself, but if I'm in, the room, in a room with like six extroverts in a group conversation, this can be very painful too, believe me. So <laughs> I, can't, I can't picture you as a robot, Christina. Um, <laughs> so, so, so this all leads to the question of, uh, so if you've got people on your team, people who are more junior in their career, uh, working their way up and they've got some strengths and some weaknesses and they're, uh, they acknowledge what those are, 
but that weakness is actively hurting them where they are now. How do you advise them? Where do you tell them? Uh, how do you advise them to to uh, concentrate on their strengths, but address this weakness and do the job you need them to do at the moment? I think it would depend. I mean, thank God I've never worked with a person that I would have had to give the advice to say, I think you don't belong into product. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> ultimately, I think if, if they if they would have, such strong weaknesses in doing a product manager's job, um, I would advise them to look for something else because I think it's a very stressful job and it's a job that can easily burn you out if you don't manage to actually take take care of yourself. And especially yeah. a lot of young people are not so good in that these days because they're constantly stressed with social media and with a lot of other things. But um, of course, I mean, you know, you see everyone brings something that they need to improve on. And I think for me, improving on is like if you don't have analytical skills or if you're not good in SQL and these kind of things, I don't believe that you have to do to bring this to the table as a product manager, you know. Um, it depends also on which kind of environment you work. But there are certain things which are, for example, the willingness to collaborate. If this is something that someone doesn't bring to the table, I think this is for sure, it's something you can work on, but it's a must as a product manager. Mm -hmm. If you're not super tech savvy and you don't understand how the microservice that you're working on works in detail, but you still manage to actually, you know, have your team under control, you still manage to actually discover the right problems and the needs for the company or whatever, um, then I think you can still do the job if you have a strong tech lead next, next to you, for example. But as I said, if you if you lack certain key skills, you have to work on them because otherwise you won't be successful in your job. And you said something interesting there about uh, about making sure that you're happy and dealing with all the stress. And one of the other things I've heard you talk about is a happiness planner. What is that? Yeah, the happiness planner is, is a notebook. It's basically a planner. Um, I met the founder of this during my sabbatical in Thailand where she had a tech TED talk and she offered it to us, but I also bought it now because I think it's super helpful. And it's a planner where you actually plan your week and you also do a weekly reflection. So first of all, you make sure you plan in something per week that makes you happy, which is very, very important um, because otherwise it's very easy to get trapped in this, in a kind of more reactive way where you just live for work and then you're too tired to do something which is good for you in the evening. But the good part is also that you have a weekly reflection. So you actually write down what were things that you were super proud of that went super well and also things that did not go well so, so far, something that you've learned, something that you're proud of and something that you want to maybe change for next week. And those weekly reflections are actually the part that I like the most about it because, first of all, it forces me to sit down once a week and really reflect and also to learn. But also it helps me to first just spend time with myself, which is super, super, super healthy. And um, But it also helps me to try every week from scratch to make a change and to become a better version of myself. And this now sounds a lot like, you know, self-optimization. And I know there is a lot of tools and things out there who even stresses us out even more because we constantly have the feeling we're not enough. We have to do better. And I think it shouldn't be about that. It's For me, it's mostly about spending time with yourself. And 
if something didn't work out that way th this week and they frustrated me, it gives me the opportunity to say, it's great. That was this week and the next week is coming up. And this week I'm going to try something else. And I think this is just a great opportunity to, to move on with things which are maybe not going so great and give every week a new meaning. Christina, I think that was a really nice place to end with, you know, the sort of situation that so many people are in, probably having to reflect on their careers in this current state, you know, having a happiness planner, just revisiting what makes, you know, what gives you purpose and everything. A really good time to, to hear all of this. And thank you so much for joining us and, uh, and telling us all about it. Thank you so much for having me. It was a really great interview. I enjoyed it a lot. Well, we recorded this podcast a few weeks ago and just this evening I was lucky enough to go for a brief post-work cider, socially distanced still, of course, with a friend and we were talking all about our careers in tech and Christina's advice was super helpful and I'll know I'll definitely be referencing it again. Yeah, Christina makes a lot of sense, like so many of our guests, including one of my favorites, Nandini Jammy. Nandini spoke to us about ethics in product management and about sleeping giants. It's the movement she co-leads to get businesses really thinking about how they are contributing to the world, in particular around branding and hate campaigns and things like that. Nandini's work is so crucial to holding us all accountable for the decisions and the power that we have. And she's recently launched her new service and product, allowing businesses to check whether their ads are supporting any inappropriate sites and content. That's why we're rerunning her interview next week. So come back to hear more about this really important topic. Our hosts are me, Lily Smith, and me, Randy Silver. Emily Tate is our producer, and Luke Smith is our editor. Our theme music is from Hamburg-based band POW, that's P-A-U. Thanks to Arna Kittler, who runs Product Tank and MTP Engage in Hamburg, and plays bass in the band for letting us use their music. Connect with your local product community via Product Tank, our regular free meetups in over 200 cities worldwide. If there's not one near you, you can consider starting one yourself. To find out more, go to mindtheproduct.com forward slash product tank. Product Tank is a global community of meetups driven by and for product people. We offer expert talks, group discussion, and a safe environment for product people to come together and share learnings and tips. Mm -hmm.